And welcome back to the show. This is Christine with The Hair Affair. And I hope that you're in for a good little uh, tidbit today. I'm excited to share with you um, something kind of personal to me. Um, might give you a better idea of where I came, where I came from and um, how I came up with my salon name and what, what drives me. So to kind of start the story out a little bit, as you know, my salon name is The Bombshell Studio. And I took that because I... I have an interest with the 1940s and the World War II era, and I have a family full of veterans, my mom, my dads, my brother, uncles. I mean, the the veteran, the amount of veterans in my family goes way back. I have a grandfather that was in World War I. Um, my dad was a, is a Vietnam vet, so it just... The um, the era in itself just really runs deep within me. And so I've always had a passion about being a supporter of our veterans. And um, every year on Veterans Day, I offer free haircuts to all veterans. And that's just kind of my way of, of giving back to to our veterans and for their service and their time and what they've done for us. And in my bombshell studio, if you were to take a walk in there all my family, uh, I had their pictures of them in their uniform on the wall along with, you know, the American flag. Um, I had the wax women army corps lady pictures in there. Um, I had, if it had anything to do with America, the red, white, and blue, the military, our veterans, it was in my salon and it that's how it was based. And that's how I came up with the idea of calling my salon the um, Bombshell Studio. But also what I take away from that World War II era time is something that you may have heard, uh, and, and her name was called Rosie the Riveter. And she's an inspiration for me. But the funny thing about Rosie is that it's not just singled out to one person. Now, there is an original Rosie the Riveter, but it took 70 years to find out who the actual Rosie the Riveter was. And I'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I think after I tell you um, some of this history about Rosie the Riveter and, and how it fits with my story that you might have a better understanding of where I come from and, and why I have a tattoo of Rosie the Riveter on my arm. That's how much this means to me. So Dating back to the start of World War II, or even pre-World War II, in the 1940s, there were more than 11 million women who were employed outside of the home by the end of World War II. And of course, that number had spiked to over 20 million at one point in time. And um, it was the Rosie the Riveter campaign uh, that brought those women into work outside of the home. And the purpose was recruiting female workers for the defense industries. Um, so when World War II had started and our men were being deployed, it left like this gaping hole in the industrial labor force. And it, it, it was a hole that needed to be filled and women stepped up and they went to work in these factories. So between 1940 and 1945, the female percent of the U.S. workforce increased from 27 percent 
to nearly 37 by the end of 1945. So that basically comes to about one out of every four married women who worked outside of the home. So it was the aviation industry that saw the greatest increase. Um, and it was also the, the munitions industry that also saw a heavy uh, recruitment for these women workers. I mean, after all, somebody had to make the weapons and the tanks and the bombs and the aircraft that the men used to uh, fight this war. And that was the WOWs, the Women Ordnance Workers. So the government and corporations created a slew of propaganda to help keep the morale high and their spirits high and to keep the women coming back to work. So when you think of Rosie the Riveter, you're probably more familiar with the We Can Do It poster where she's, you know, showing her, flexing her muscle and she's wearing the red bandana. And, you know, there's so many different um, real sexy ones to just your average woman um, that you can see out there that has the We Can Do It name on it. But that actually was not the original poster used to recruit the women for these industries. That was actually um, used to come out in the 1980s, I think 1982 to be exact. But I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But in 1942, shortly after the U.S. entered the war, Kay Kaiser, she released a song called Rosie the Riveter. And that song was, of course, played on the radio networks across the country. And the, the Rosie the Riveter song is what inspired Norman Brockwell to create um, his own idea, his own picture of Rosie the Riveter, which appeared on the Saturday Evening Post in 1942. And if you actually go to my website, theheraffairwithchristine.com, you'll see on that uh, the picture that Norman Rockwell had designed and created for the cover of this magazine. The U.S. Treasury Department used Rockwell's painting for war bond drives throughout the war. And there was an official bandana made by the War Department for female ordnance workers. And they had white army ordnance logos on a red background. A we Can Do It poster by that I was talking about earlier, that We Can Do It poster by Miller. Um, it was it was in 1982. And that one was created for the Washington Post. So just for that little bit of history, I could go into that quite a bit. Like I was saying earlier, there were nobody knew for 70 years about who the actual Rosie the Riveter was. And uh, maybe on a different episode, I can talk more, go more into to that piece of history a little bit, because it's pretty interesting. There were actually who they thought there's three women throughout the U.S. that um, people were trying to guess of who it was, and nobody really truly knew. Um, but it took a man um, six years of hard research to figure out who the real Rosie the Riveter was, and he did find her. And even Rosie the Riveter herself, uh, her name was Naomi, did not even know that it was after her. So when she found out, she, it was pretty inspiring for her late day and age. I would like to explain to you how this fits into where I'm at today also. Not only has it always been a passion of mine, that era, um, and you know, enough, far enough to go to, to put a tattoo on my arm of Rosie, 
But when I was in cosmetology school, the very first hair show I ever went to was in Denver, Colorado. And I was super excited to be there. And I, you know, I actually ended up going down to Denver and staying in Denver by myself. And so the morning of the show, uh, I was the first one that had shown up to be in the main stage room. And so I just grabbed a seat front and center because I was ready to learn anything and everything that I could. I didn't honestly really know what to expect at a hair show. And the stage was already set up for the for the show. And of course, there was still like an hour before, but I wasn't about to leave my seat because I, 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 that's how bad I wanted to be there and how bad I wanted to see what was going on. And I was going through my phone a while ago, well, a few months ago, and I came across some of those old pictures that I had taken from the hair show. And I didn't realize this until then. And this is, we're talking nine, 10 years later now that the main stage of this show was set up by Redkin. And I had found that really interesting because here I was pursuing classes and extra training and thinking about going into or wanting to become a Redkin artist. And so way back then, this little seed had been planted in my mind. And so fast forward the time when I decided to get out of the corporate world of haircutting and go on my own and start getting back into color and, and having fun with that, I had, I talked to my sales rep at the time and just said, you know, what do you have out there? Um, that's like a beginner set or something for me since I'm just starting up in color that I can buy a kit that comes with just a little bit of everything so I can get started because I just, honestly, I just don't even begin to know where to start. And my sales rep had told me that he had a really good deal going at the time if I wanted to go with Redken. And he explained the whole starters package for me and what it all contained in the colors and chart like the color charts and and things like that and I said sure I'll take it and it ended up being Redken so I was excited about that because I really wasn't there was a specific brand out there that I wasn't wanting to use and I was really hoping it wasn't going to be that because I wasn't happy with it when I was in school because I I just noticed how it fades real quickly and it doesn't hold its color and and so I really didn't want to go with that because I felt like it wasn't going to be the type of stylist that I wanted to be, that it wasn't going to be the type of quality that I wanted to put out there. So January of 2023, I had decided that I was going to take some online classes through Redken. And I had looked at their whole list of classes that they had. I had already been taking several free ones that were like an hour long here or an hour and a half long there. Uh, that you could sign up for. But these were classes that I actually invested in and it would take a few weeks to complete the class. And so I started my first one on the on online back in January of 2023. And I absolutely fell in love with the company, with the product, what they stood for. I loved all my artists that were facilitators in the class. 
And so it made me kind of dig deep a little bit further into their education programs and to see what they had to offer. And I looked into what it meant to be an artist and what that what what you had to do to get there. And I said, well, one day, that's what I want to do. In fact, you could probably even go back on my Facebook page, my salon page, where I had posted a video that was quite lengthy about me talking about wanting to become a Redken artist. And back then, of course, I'm saying this like it was years ago when this was really only six, seven months ago, I had it all planned out. And the way I had it all planned out by taking all the classes that I needed to take, or so I thought I needed to take to become a Redken artist, I was looking at probably a three to five year plan, honestly, to get through it. But I was okay with that. I just thought I would bite them off a little piece at a time and take it slowly, really understand the information, because I knew that I had to become a Redken certified hair colorist. And ta- and, that, and that involves a, a large exam. And that meant that I either had to go to Los Angeles, or I had to go to New York City, wherever they held it at the time, and fork out some a good amount of money to take this test and pass it in order for me to even begin thinking about becoming an artist. And and that honestly, it scared me a little bit. So I that's why I was okay with a three to five year plan. Maybe in a way thinking I was going to psych myself out of it or something. So anyways, but I got more and more curious about it. And I had talked to one of the facilitators in my first class and Chesboro, whom to this day, I absolutely love and I owe so much to her. Um, she and her husband both have been major encouragements from the very beginning of this process. And the love and warmth that they have given me and encouraging me uh, just to continue my path and my journey. Anyways, and she told me that, you know, it was possible for me to be an artist by the end of the year. And I, I thought she was crazy. I had no idea what she was talking about. So anyways, long story short, is that in the end, I ended up talking to Tashina, who is the main person you want to talk to when it comes to Redkin education when you're when you're talking about classes like these. And so she explained what this artist training camp was all about and that there was one coming up. It was the last one for the year and it was starting in three and a half weeks. And I had to make a decision like that day if I was going to move forward with this or not. And so I decided that I was just going to do it. I was just going to take a big risk and I was going to just jump in with both feet And that meant that I was going to lose my summer. I was going to have a lot of studying on my hands to do, a lot of stress. I had to go to Los Angeles for a week, and then I had to go to New York for two weeks, and then also, you know, take this exam. And so I I just, I jumped in and I did it. But that story brings me to to this part that I've been wanting to tell you so you can kind of understand it a little bit better and and pull it together. So when I got to LA the first week in, in May for the artist training camp, um, it was going to be held at the L'Oreal Pro Lab. And that was actually in El, El Segundo, California. I'm sure I probably did not pronounce that correctly. And it was on... North Douglas. 
And the reason why I'm telling you that is because the L'Oreal Pro Lab building was brand new and it had been completely overhauled to facilitate all of L'Oreal's brands that they carry. And sometime I'll get into the Redken history, but Redken was acquisitioned by L'Oreal back in 1993. So the ProLab in El Segundo or LA uh, is one of the one of the training facilities for some of their larger classes that have to be done in person. But this factory that was turned into this ProLab was actually the Douglas Aircraft Company. And it was used in World War II to build warplanes. And it sits on like 108,000 or 110,000 square foot aerospace plant, lot, however you want to call it. And um, But now is the hub for L'Oreal headquarters. And so I thought that was really cool when I found that out. Now, the really neat thing is that in the training area that I was needing to go to for that first week in artist training, when you first walk through the door, and I've got pictures and I'll try and get these posted on my website too to go with this episode, but you walk in and it is this beautiful, beautiful building on the inside. It's just absolutely gorgeous. The entire grounds of the L'Oreal Pro Lab is just amazing. And But when you walk in, right when you walk in, there is this huge wall that is basically dedicated to this Douglas Aircraft Company. And it and it shows the women working and it has this little plaque. And I took a picture of the plaque and what it said about the facility. And um, I will be sure to see if I can get that posted for you all to see that because it, it was just really like, wow, I am supposed to be here. And that's how all of this comes together and how I wanted to explain to you my salon name, um, my affiliation now with with Redken, and how all along the way these last 10 years, at times when I really didn't think things were coming together for me in my career, or um, even just in my personal life, or that I just wasn't going to make it, that there was always this little something in the back of my mind that will just say, "Mm, God, that was that kept showing me little pieces along the way that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, just kind of these little um, affirmations, these things like, see, you're here. This is where you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And it's going to be okay. And so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I, this is something I've been wanting to do. I've wanted to be a cosmetologist since I can remember. I'm sure at some point in time when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a nurse. I think all little girls say that. But I also really wanted to be in a salon. And I didn't understand what that meant, I guess, then. And I wanted to go when I graduated high school, and I did not. And then I attempted to go again when I was about 22, 23, put money down on a school in Salt Lake City, and then I ended up not going to that, and I did something else in my career. But then in my 30s, I finally just said, I am not a happy person, and I need to be where I'm going to be happy. 
And I knew that was going to cosmetology school. And so that's what I did. And it was right there, cosmetology school, my first hair show, and then these last nine years all along the way where I have found happiness and I love work. I love what I do. I like being in the salon. I love watching people's faces light up when they're extremely happy with their hair. I love walking out life with with them, with my guests, my customers, the ones that keep coming back to me. And I have been shown so much love and encouragement in this business and in this industry that I want to be able to give back. And so that's why I went to this artist training camp to become a Redken artist so that I would be able to teach others as well, to teach them hair color, to teach them techniques, to understand them and hear where they're coming from and tell them and show them that you're facing a big fear. Yes, it's scary, but that's because you're growing. And I just had to keep telling myself that. And I definitely had my moments in the process where I wanted to not continue the path that I was on this summer. And that's because I was self-sabotaging. I was afraid. Um, I didn't think that I was right for the job or I didn't fit in. I was just little, you know, I was just from this little tiny town in Wyoming and everybody else that was in my class were from larger cities and they all had other artists within reach of them to to get that one-on-one time with or to go to shows or go to classes or to shadow them while they taught Redken classes in in their area. And I, I didn't have that. I was just, I was out here in Wyoming by myself. And so I just didn't think that I was qualified. But in the end, I completed the program. And I knew it was the right thing for me to do. I took my hair colorist exam, and I came home. And, you know, But the most amazing news that came from all of this, um, now that I've completed the class, I took the exam, is I found out that I am officially a certified Redken hair colorist. That is a major obstacle that has been won with a lot of hard work. So I'm waiting just to hear back now on my artist application, and I will let you know. Um, I have everything submitted to Redken for my artist audition. It does take a minute uh, to get the answer back on that because they have several applicants to go through. There were 16 people in my class alone and we all had to make 90 minute 90 minute videos uh, of us teaching a class that they have to filter through and go through and before they can get back to us all or individually, however they're deciding to do it. But anyways, so I'm excited and I'm at peace. But even if even if artist is not in my future, maybe it's just not right now. Maybe right now is just not my time. But I'm at peace with it because I've got Rosie. And I hope to be your Rosie. I hope to encourage you. I hope that this show can help build a community where we can empower each other, encourage each other, not just women, but all of us. And 
sometimes we just need that little nudge, that little light to shine for us. Um, and in my in the classes that I end up teaching for Redkin, if I get hired, is that's my goal. That's my main thing is just to be that person in this state that can help others. And if I can reach broader than than just the state, then that's even better. So anyways, with that, that's my story for today. And I appreciate you joining me and taking the time to listen. And as always, please visit my webpage at theheraffairwithchristine.com. And I also would love to hear from you. I have my email address on there. I have all my social media links attached. Um, If you have questions, if you have comments, if you want to hear something on the show, drop me a note. Let me know. Um, I would love to hear from you. I would love to interact with you and see what you all have to say. So with that, I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. And this is Christine with The Hair Affair. And have a great day. Goodbye.